0: Welcome to Batflips and Nerds, the baseball podcast with a British twist. I am your host this week, Russell Easton. I am delighted to introduce you all to Samantha Schultz, who is a baseball operations fellow for the San Diego Padres. Hi, Sam. Hi, Russell. How are you doing today?
1: I am doing quite well. How are you?
0: I am doing lovely. It's uh, the British Bank holiday weekend, which actually coincides with an American Bank holiday weekend, Memorial Day. So. Not only is this recording this on the Sunday, but there's also tomorrow for a Monday off as well. So everybody yeah. is enjoying the good weather in the UK. How's it out in San Diego? I imagine uh, it's... It's... At,
1: it's uncharacteristic here, actually. It's been raining for the last couple of weeks. It's cloudy and cold right now. So not the not the best way to kick off the, the summer.
0: <laughs> okay, Yeah. So as I said, you're a baseball operations fellow for the San Diego Padres. So what exactly does that entail?
1: Yeah, so it's sort of a, an interesting job title that I'd never heard of before, but essentially I'm just a, a baseball operations person. So I've been able to work in a couple different capacities in our baseball operations department. But for the most part, I focus on research and development. So I'm you know, one of the math nerds in the front office and I just try to use math and science and statistics to help the team on the field perform better and our other players perform better.
0: Cool. So you, uh, we discussed before previously that you work primarily with the uh, actual major league team and not with the minor league teams. That's correct, yeah?
1: Yeah, most of like the stuff that I work on does focus more on the major league side. Um, I have worked with minor leaguers before, but for the most part, my interest lies with the major league team, yeah.
0: So yeah, so uh, we met in Arizona earlier on this year. Uh, I wanted to ask you the question, probably what was more bizarre, a man from the UK being there or a man not wearing gingham being there? Uh, the <laughs> conference.
1: yeah um i think i was just most surprised like when you started speaking and i was like oh my gosh this is a british baseball fan like i did not know those existed um but yeah no it was it was awesome to meet you and like i was so intrigued by your indians hat i was like a british indians fan very interesting
0: yeah um if you if you speak to various uh, British fans about sport, the, the stories that they come up with for how they come into the sport, uh, all all are so bizarre and so varied. It's kind of, it, you can create your own kind of like podcast just doing that. Uh, <laughs> so yes, it was it was great. But uh, did you remember when you went to your first game when you were a younger kid?
1: Um, yeah, I think that my first Major League Baseball game, um, I grew up a San Francisco Giants fan. So I had the opportunity to go uh, to San Francisco for one of my birthdays. And I just remember thinking like how fast the game was. It's a lot faster in person and the the players are so much bigger than I had expected. Like they're, it's just so different when you're in person. And I remember like when the lights were on and wandering around the concourse, just feeling like so blissful. Um, It was like a a really, really cool experience to like share with 40,000 people.
0: So roughly what time would that would have, uh, would bonds have been playing or?
1: Um, let me think back to when that would have been. I don't think he was, I think I had like just missed him by a couple years by the first time I got to go the first time I got to go. So it might've been 2008 or 2009.
0: Nice. It's a, uh, it's a field that's definitely on my to-do list. I've uh, done quite a lot of the East coast and a bit of the central. I need to uh, get myself over to the West coast and tick off a vast majority of those. So, uh, have you watched the game did you play like little league when you were younger or was it more watching interest
1: yeah i did um so my best friend's dad actually got me interested in baseball and softball because i had never played or watched before so i played little league with his daughter and his son for a couple years and then made the switch to softball um just liked it better it's a little bit more uh, accessible for girls than baseball is. Um, so I made the switch to softball and played all the way through high school, play recreationally in college and now. So I've, it's been a huge part of my life ever since I can remember.
0: Okay, that's cool. Uh, you were a, a fellow of the MLB's inaugural diversity fellowship program in 2018. Uh, yeah. Can you describe what that was like and kind of how being exposed to that fellowship kind of like changed? Maybe like your plans going forward as an adult. Yeah,
1: yeah, of course. Um, Yeah, let me just give a little bit of background on it for anybody who doesn't know. But Major League Baseball um, has launched this diversity initiative and they're trying to get people who have been underrepresented in baseball front offices into front offices. So uh, non white men, basically, (laughs) trying to get them into offices. So I was, I applied for this because I thought, well, how cool would this be to work for a Major League team? It had been, a dream of mine for like probably only a year or two at that point, um, as I sort of pivoted what my interests were in college. And so you go through the process, like applying with Major League Baseball, they ask you to write a couple of essays, you do an interview so that they can sort of vet the candidates before they let them loose on all the clubs. And so I got through that initial stage. And then it was just whatever each individual club wanted to do to get to, talk, to get to know me, to interview me. So the interview processes were different with every team. Um, I talked to a handful of teams. It was, it was overwhelming. <laughs> it, was, it, was, uh, it was a lot of work and a lot of uh, excitement and fear. And so I talked to a number of teams and the Padres offered me the job. I was very happy to be selected by the Padres. They were a really interesting organization to me, like probably in my top couple teams that I was hoping would talk to me um but yeah it was it was a a very quick crazy experience i wasn't expecting to get to where i am and like have this position as quickly as i was able to get into the game
0: yeah so the 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 mlb's uh details that they have on the website about this uh, suggest that there were 1,300 applicants that ended up being just 22 fellows so that was must have been quite a grueling process as you've detailed uh you said you wanted to kind of get into that role within just a couple of years before that. So what kind of like changed from maybe like wanting to play baseball? Or what did you really think that actually getting in the front office in a baseball team was something that you wanted to do?
1: Yeah, so I think it was my junior year in college. Um, I have a degree in physics, and I thought I was going to go and get a PhD and do physics research. And that's just all I was going to do. And then I realized that I don't I don't love math. <laughs> and there's a, a lot of math in physics. So the math was just getting too hard for me. Um, so I started thinking, like, okay, well, what can I, how can I like combine passions of mine with skills of mine? And baseball was just the natural fit. Um, I like, I've always loved math. I've always, oh, no, I lied about that. I've always liked science and I've always liked data and things like that. So trying to figure out how to do baseball in the same way and think about baseball as a problem to solve. Uh, it just fit really, really naturally for me.
0: Okay. So did you feel like this was a role that was possible for you to get to without like the diversity program? Had you kind of done any work at your college to kind of like help out the, the baseball team or the softball teams there?
1: Yeah. So I worked with the baseball team. Um, I just approached them and was like, hey, I'm willing to help you guys out with anything you need, um, defense, offense, like whatever it is. And the coaches just latched onto that. And they really uh, liked that idea and they were super, super influential in, in me getting to this role now. Um, I think I probably would have been able to get a job in baseball. It might have taken longer. Um, like the diversity process, just putting qualified people in front of teams who might not have access to teams is just like that expedites the whole process. Um, so yeah, I think I probably eventually would have been able to Talk to some teams and get involved, but this fellowship program like definitely accelerated that for me.
0: So what were you what was the favorite thing that you did when you were working for the, the collegiate team? Was uh what did you manage to influence any of their shifting? Did you manage to influence <laughs> any of their pitch sequencing? Did you get into uh, that level of detail? Or it didn't, it more- didn't
1: get that detailed, no. Uh mainly they were interested in like, how do we? I mean, it's it's a simple question, but it's hard to solve. Like, how do we win more games? and to do that you need to score more runs than the other team so i took a list i took a look at like their their uh their offensive stats like on the base pass like when are they taking advantage of extra bases are they Mm -hmm. beating the team at getting the extra base so if there's a wild pitch pass ball are they taking that opportunity and being aggressive so we sort of like attacked it from that way like are we winning the opportunities on the base pass and sort of yeah so we started looking at it like that um we just like just I think just by like illuminating the data and being like, here's how you guys perform is a really effective way to just be like, oh, now that we know that this is how we behave as a team, like how can we exploit it or how can we ignore this, uh, this thing that we're not so good at? So I think like a lot of it is just illuminating the data and making it digestible for people who yep. may not just be able to stare at a wall of numbers and get something out of it.
0: Yeah, I I personally get that entirely. My day job as a data scientist, I've worked in fashion, I've worked in various industries where you work with people who are not uh, clued in to how the numbers and how the details work and you've got to present it in a manner that can actually get them to go, okay, now I understand what's going on. You can get them through that. It's very interesting that you chose to do on base running. fellows. That that's probably something that is discreet enough that didn't require the the high-level technologies to kind of give you an answer or give you a solution to.
1: Yeah, like college baseball teams actually have a bunch of data. I think it's just about like having the personnel to manage it. So it, it wasn't that difficult, like once we had the data, to get it into a format we liked and to like really tell a story with it.
0: That's interesting. Um, so you said the the Padres are one of your top options. Uh, did you have a choice in the end? Uh, did you get multiple offers or was it did you kind of just get the Padres offer and kind of stop down the road with everybody else who was in the fellowship program?
1: Yeah, so I did have uh, multiple offers. Um, I don't know if that was like typical of the people who were selected, but I did have multiple offers. I think in all, I ended up talking to five or six teams, um, and two of them were like heavily pursuing me. And they, it was a it was a really tough decision. Um, even though I'm from California and San Diego sounds like a dream to most people, <laughs> it was a it was a tough decision. But it ultimately for me came down to in San Diego. I felt like I was going to be able to help create something or help set the bar for what research and development was going to be in San Diego where with the other team I would have had the opportunity to learn from some really really great people and improve on what they're already doing but the prospect of like let me create this and set the standard was a little bit more appealing.
0: Yeah you felt that you were joining the Padres on the the cusp of greatness and you wanted to, yes. you wanted to help them uh, take it over that line.
1: Yes definitely
0: okay so uh we'll talk about kind of a little bit more about what you actually do now so kind of like what's the, the the size of the baseball operations team within within the padres
1: um i'd say we probably have 15 to 20 people who are in the office consistently um so people that you're seeing every day and that you're around every day that work physically in the offices and then we have a pretty expansive scouting scouting <laughs> scouting department as well um, I think there was a, an article like not too long ago actually about the size of scouting departments, and we still had a very large scouting department. But yeah, there's like fifteen to 20 of us who are consistently around in San Diego.
0: Okay, so um, with your role, do you actually have any direct interaction with players, or is it more kind of like you're presenting uh, information that then someone else is kind of like presenting on to the players?
1: Um, I would say it's probably the latter. Uh, the coaches, players, whoever might have a question or an idea, and it gets funneled down through research and development. Sometimes it finds itself to me and sometimes it doesn't. Um, But I don't, I don't work specifically with players right now. It is a uh, career goal of mine to get a little bit closer to the field and the managers and stuff. But for right now, I'm just like giving them any information they might ask for.
0: So, do you do you occasionally have players coming down to your offices and asking questions, or do kind of like as you think you said, they kind of do they speak to the manager, then the managers come down to you guys?
1: I think speaking like through the manager or through one of our advanced scouts is a little bit more uh, common, but I have heard that there in the past have been players who will specifically ask questions.
0: That's interesting. I'd I'd hope to expect more people to kind of get in that role. Um, I think we've seen a lot with the players coming up through the collegiate system that the analytics uh, systems down there are better in some cases than some of the minor league teams and some of the major league teams so some of these younger players are far more analytically inclined than some of the older players are have you found that to be true
1: um i don't know if like specifically i have noticed that or like had an instance where i thought about that but i think it does make sense just like with the like the age and the generation of the players coming up just like having been around technology as long as we have and like having this metric revolution have been going on for a decade now they're just more comfortable with it i think that's like a really fair statement
0: yeah so uh many of the listeners if they're padres fans or watched uh, padres home game they might have actually seen you because you, <laughs> <laughs> you hide behind what two or three rows back behind home plate on games sometimes yeah so is that is that you when you're working there are you looking for specific things or is that just one of the perks of the jobs that you uh you can get to take some pretty good seats
1: uh, all of the above. <laughs> so yeah, I do I do tend to lurk behind home plate. Um, you'll probably only see the top half of my head. But uh, yeah, we stand down there and we actually put up the pitch type um, for the people in the stadium to reference, which I think is a, a really cool addition to a stadium. Just like if you see a pitch and you're like, oh, that was crazy. What was that? You can look up and see. So we'll be putting the pitch types up. Sometimes I'm looking at specific stuff. Like I'm trying to figure out if a pitcher is doing something odd or if a pitch is working really well because it really is like the best seat in the house down there um but yeah definitely a a big perk of the job being able to be right behind home plate
0: so yeah uh i was going to ask you kind of like what's your kind of weekly sort of schedule like because you've obviously mentioned that you work in the office but then you're obviously down with the games times as well so uh do you sometimes end up working very long days and then have (laughs) extra days off in lieu or yeah what does what's the week or the month of like of a operations fellow
1: yeah, um, and, like I know that people hate when people say this, but there, there isn't really like a, a daily routine. No, of course. Um, just because baseball in itself just goes through different seasons. So right now we're like ramping up for the draft. So right now it's like all hands on deck, lots of hours. Um, but then like you have times when the team is on the road and it's like a more casual nine to five. But if I had to just like generalize, I'd say a lot of my day is just spent at my computer, Working on um, projects that may be long-term, short-term, ad hoc projects that are coming from the major league staff. Um, just assisting in any way I can um, with any department. So like around the trade deadline, like you're, ho- you're helping with pro scouting. And um, at the end of the year, you're helping with pro scouting and stuff like that to like sign new free agents and stuff like that. So it does rotate and it keeps it from being boring because <laughs> there's always there's always something coming up that we need to be preparing for
0: okay so you say with the the signing of free agents uh well the Padres signed a rather large free agent (laughs) at the the end of last year or the start of this year so how did like obviously like signing Machado the fans love it uh we I've seen from some data that the attendance is up uh second most only behind the Phillies who signed the other big free agent so obviously like it's brought the fans into the stadium but kind of how does like the inner office feel that kind of like when you sign that sort of player because it's got to be a massive boost to to you guys
1: yeah it's so that happened um it happened like i think uh, a couple people were already in peoria for spring training so we were kind of split up it was a a quiet thing in the front office like uh, most of us did not know um so when it broke or we started to hear rumors about it it was Absolutely thrilling! Like you just feel so energized as an organization, especially with the Padres, because we've got a ton of young talent who's like right on the cusp of breaking into the major leagues. So you think like, wow, with all of that, and now we've got this this veteran gra- guy who can really make a difference on our team. And to sign him for ten years, like it was it was energizing, it was exciting, and then we're excited by the fan reaction as well. So I don't live in San Diego. I've like, only been there for a year, but in these last six months since we started bringing up the new guys and Machado came like it's a whole different attitude in San Diego about the Padres people are excited they want to come to games they they love Manny so it's been invigorating for the entire organization
0: so yeah so you talk about bringing up the new guys obviously uh Fernando Jr is the is the name that will stick together but obviously Chris Paddock has had a fantastic start uh as well how does how did you know that like Tatis Jr. was going to get called up or is it was that the same sort of thing we I've read articles talking about the fact that like Machado and Hosmer went straight to the owner and managed and were just like you've got to bring them up now so it was that, yeah. it's kind of like it's equal excitement as the Machado signing
1: yeah I think that um, like personally I I wasn't sure whether or not Tatis would make the opening day roster um having never played in AAA like there's always a question like is he going to be able to make the adjustment adjustment to major league hitting but like you know he gets the call and he's there on opening day and you're just excited and then for him to perform the way- the way he did like right out of the gate was also very exciting so yeah i don't know like really what i expected from him other than you know i'd heard that he's this great player and when i started he was actually injured so i like i hadn't really seen him play a lot so it's exciting for me to see him in action as well
0: no, that's that's cool. Uh, do you feel that there's uh, obviously said it's great that there's expectation now in San Diego? Is there a little too much expectation of San Diego to do something now because you kind of you've got that big energy and you kind of going like oh we could we could do something we could we could make a, a signing during free agency or are you happy that kind of like the, well, the club is thinking kind of like we're still thinking to maybe three four years in the, in the future where when we're going to be at our best?
1: Yeah, I'd say that like uh, the overall or like feeling in the organization is that next year was really gonna be like when we could make a really solid push, but having success early in this season like definitely doesn't hurt. Uh, people people have been like happy with our progress for the most part. Um, it's good to be over 500, and if you can open that window a little bit early um, without doing anything drastic, like why not? So I think right now, like, even though it's still so early, we were like a game or something out of the wild card, which is, it's exciting, even though it's only May. So like having this success early in this season is just sort of, it sort of reaffirms the idea that this is going to be a good team.
0: So yeah, so how how do the ups and downs of the team kind of affect like the front office? Like you say, obviously, like these highs that you've got from the signings, but you've kind of had the lows as well, Tassie junior that that injury when i first watched it i thought that looked really painful and i had no <laughs> idea how long a player would be out for doing something like that because it looked frankly horrific to see yes. a man do that, that sort of splits <laughs> and then obviously on the day of recording uh they've the padres have potentially just had the greatest game ever hitting a, uh, as you stated like it's the first time they've hit seven home runs in a game ever yeah so yes
1: uh yeah i'd say it's definitely uh it's emotional. So like when we win, everybody's excited, everybody's happy, uh, a little bit easier, there's less to fix and worry about. Uh, but when we're losing, it's more like, all right, like what, what ideas do we have? Like, how can we fix this? And I think we do a good job of like not getting too caught up in like the, oh, we lost again today. Like, this is bad. Like, so you've, you've sort of removed yourself from it. You don't have like the, the fan feelings about it anymore. It's more just like, all right, what can we do to fix it? Like, what's next? Um, but yeah, we, we definitely do like ebb and flow with the team as well. And when they're doing well, like it's an easier day at work when they're doing well.
0: So this year has been a bit easier than last year then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So far, so far. Yes. I've, I've enjoyed this year very much.
0: So there's various news trickling out uh, from MLB about changes that it's going to be in the future. We've heard of the projected rule changes, but one of the things that interested me and interested many of the Saber metric fans is the talk that we're actually going to move from uh, radar tracking to optical tracking. So replacing the TrackMan system with Hawkeye system. Uh, so is optical tracking something that the Padres already use? Now, I, I you don't have to be specific, but is this something that kind of like you guys use already?
1: Yeah, I can actually answer this one because Dennis Lin on The Athletic wrote an article about this. Um, so we do use optical tracking. Uh, we use Rapsodo and Edgertronic. Uh, high speed cameras uh, and these are mostly used like at our complex in Peoria or with the minor league team but it's definitely been like a, a a wide sweeping thing across the league uh, to switch to optical tracking um, but yeah we do make use of it I can't be specific about that <laughs> but we do we do use optical tracking.
0: So does it feel that kind of like the to me one of the things that it would be so much easier with optical tracking than uh, with the radar tracking is is swing paths and and un- Obviously, I'm assuming that you kind of you have that data, based on your team, before you do that. If this becomes like a league-wide thing, and that opens up extra data about the opposite teams, do you feel like this is actually going to be a really good source of knowledge for what other teams are like or what other players are like?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to like look at the types of data that we can get out of an optical system versus like the TrackMan system. Um, I don't really know what to expect from it, and I haven't heard like too many of the gory details on it but it's definitely going to be interesting to like dive in there and see what this can provide and being able to like, yeah, like you said, compare what we know about our players to um, a larger sample of players.
0: Okay. So um, you've mentioned like Peoria quite a lot, quite a bit. So that's the training facility for the San Diego Padres out in uh, Phoenix for spring training. So how often do you, how much time did you go out there for spring training? And...
1: Yeah, I was out for spring training for about three weeks, uh, we have like a rotating group of people out there. Some people are out there the whole time, but I was out there for three weeks near the end. So minor league games were being played, major league games were being played. Um, but yeah, that's that's a really cool experience to go to like on the other side. Like I've been to spring training as a fan, but to go as an employee and to be around the players and like see their process and see how they're training, um, training for new things or like talking with coaches, it's it puts it into perspective, like just how hard these guys work and that it sounds really easy to say something like, well, why don't you just throw strikes? But when you see them actually doing their work and going to their ballpens on how hard it actually is, it's just a, a very, very neat perspective.
0: Yeah, and uh, thankfully for you being out there, you came out to the Sabre Analytics Conference, which I believe you were doing work, so with the diversity program?
1: Yes, yeah. So I was out at the Sabre Conference um, for my job as well. And then, yeah, Tyrone Brooks at MLB um, constantly trying to get more people into the game. So I had the opportunity to speak with some of their Diversity Pipeline students just about my experience in baseball, answering their questions about how to break into the game. Um, just anything that anything that I can provide and like give back, I feel so happy to do because so many people helped me get to where I am today.
0: Yeah uh i I just wanted to talk about one of the presentations that that was there 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 was a a task that was given to i think 20 groups of students to provide effectively a uh bullpen or pitching staff management system to kind of like uh and either with a specific team or if everybody kind of say like if you were going to use the opener role or other things how could you effectively manage a team better i was frankly amazed by the winning uh, production or what they managed to do and what they managed <laughs> to show from kids that age well hey when i was that age i was yeah i was doing maths but i wasn't doing maths at anywhere kind of like that sort of level uh mm-hmm. what your thoughts on those and did you see any of the other ones that were done
1: yeah i didn't see any of the case competition competitions but um i can still like speak to your point about like being amazed at what they're able to Accomplish, And I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the younger generation of players, just with this younger generation of fans, like they're used to the technology and there's this like thirst for more knowledge and more numbers. So like, yeah, it really is incredible. Like what the public is able to come up with and the research ideas that come out of the public realm. Um, Cause like, yeah, even when I started like just dabbling in baseball statistics in high school, I was nowhere near like what people are presenting now
0: yeah no i'm i'm perfectly happy with doing statistical analysis and i i will love and do that to the cows come home so <laughs> if ha- having having the access to the statcast data which allows you to do that because there's the quality of it or oh, the quantity and the quality of it so you can actually do things like to me the shift is what i love more than anything else so <laughs> i kind of i'm a person who it's probably Rob Manfred's arch enemy, and he doesn't even know that I think he's like arch enemy because he wants to get rid of the shift. To me, coming from European sports, the idea that you can't move your defenders from like set positions seems stupid. And I I would love to see more experimentation uh being done with that. I think we saw a little bit in spring training this year with the four man outfield. And I wish wonder if we're kind of like if that's something that we're going to see more over the next kind of year or so before any rules come in that kind of adjust to stop teams from doing that going forward
1: yeah i personally love the shift as well and um like while i was before i worked for a team the thing i wanted more than anything was player position data and then as soon as i started working for a team i was like yes i have access to this and then StackCast made it public uh (laughs) so that was a little bit of a letdown but yeah i personally love the shift too i think it's like it's it, like you said, it's like really interesting and experimental. I would love to see a baseball game where you could sort of remove the human element of like it feels weird to be standing here, and just do like exactly what a program optimization thing said you should do, and see where the players would would be standing and see what it would look like. I think that would be a fascinating experiment.
0: Yeah, I was reading uh, Mike Petriello's piece earlier on this week about Joey Gallo and his approach to the shift, which was well, I'm not going to hit round it, I'm just going to hit over it and over it. basically hit better than I did before, and my basic reaction to that was, okay, there doesn't need to be the person on the uh, on the opposite side in the infield, put the fourth person out in the outfield and see how he likes that now. Now will he bunt? That is kind yeah. of like, that would be my next challenge, but sadly, I'm not in the position where I can be going to a, a club or a manager Four men in the outfield. <laughs> Four men in the outfield.
1: Yeah, I think that, yeah, it's it's amazing to me when people when people like talk about like oh moving the defense is cheating like well the hitter's going to adapt too and then the defense like reacts back so like when Gallo does that change like maybe you do stick more people in the outfield maybe he does drop a bunt down and like it gets more interesting when it's like a strategy thing on both sides and both sides are trying to outsmart the other team
0: yeah I just remember vividly a game last year where the twins put four men in the outfield against Jose Ramirez and he absolutely smashed something down the right field line, and it probably would have hit about four feet up on on the fence. But the fielder was already basically on the line and just <laughs> a clean catch. And Ramirez had r- run first and was running round, and then he was just like, what? "What?" Like, I don't think he'd realized that there were four men in the outfield. Yeah, he just swung as normal and had just kind of like hit it straight to the person, and he was miffed.
1: <laughs> yeah, rough day for offense. Good day for defense.
0: So yeah, how do you feel with like analytics and sabermetrics around its effect on the game? A lot of people think that uh, it has helped defense. It has helped pitching, so it's potentially reduced the amount of runs scored in a game. Do you see something that we can do to with the sabermetric world to help runs be scored in the game?
1: Um, the biggest thing that like I like it's like we were just talking about. I think that the the batters need to adjust back. And that's, like I said earlier, like a lot easier said than done. Uh, Hitting a baseball is very hard to do, but if the pitching is getting better and the defense is positioned better, like you as the batter have to find a way to adjust to that as well. And that might be a little bit slower than the pitcher adjustment. Um, But yeah, I think, I think uh, you could see like a rise in bunts with, with third baseman, like playing off the line, like drop more bunts down and they'll stop shifting on you. Um, but I think it's just going to be slow for the offense to sort of catch up to how good pitching has gotten in the last like five or 10 years.
0: Yeah, my, I already had, don't have a great opinion of bunts. And then when Trey Turner broke his finger bunting after hitting two home runs <laughs> in like the first three games, it's like you put yourself in a much dangerous position, I think with bunting. So um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how the, the players react going forward to the changing world that we live in. And the the changing run environment that we live in right now will definitely yes. affect things going forward. With the pace of play that we're being questioned about and all of those different things coming into the game, baseball will change. Uh, I don't think anybody can say that baseball's the same game that it was 20 years ago. And no, I don't, I
1: don't think so either. But like, this isn't the first time baseball has changed either. And I think people people forget about that. Like, we went through a whole dead ball, live ball era, like not not too long ago. So baseball, like anything, is going to adapt to what's going on on the field. And I think that's what makes baseball so fun, is that it, it feels more like a game of strategy and less like a game of just like pure strength. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it's definitely going to keep changing. And I I think it's exciting to see a sport that can adopt this well or adapt. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, everybody in, in London and parts of Europe, we're looking forward to our, our first chance to watch live baseball in London in just over a month's time when we'll get the Yankees and the Red Sox coming down. So I think we're all waiting to see the London Olympic stadium be converted into a baseball field and, to have our American Hawkers offering us beers and hot dogs <laughs> and give that experience to fans who haven't been as lucky as myself or others to head out to the States to watch games. I honestly think that going to spring training is one of the greater experiences you can do because you can watch uh, 20 games in about 10 days because there's an evening game and there's a day game, which are all within like 30 minutes drive of each other. So you can just watch baseball and you can watch 15 teams of the players. I got to see Mike Trout and Ichiro Suzuki and Kikuchi. And it's like, they're players that I've never had the chance to see before from my trips to Cleveland or my trips to New York. So it was an amazing experience. And I really think that, I hope that there are people this year that get to come down to London and see their first game and love baseball as much as I do.
1: Yeah, no, I'm very, very excited about the London series. Like I've I've said for a long time that if Major League Baseball wanted me to move to London and like, you know, create the British baseball fan base, I would do it in a heartbeat. So I'm, I'm very, very excited about that. And like, just to mirror what you said about spring training, it's, it's such a unique experience at spring training. Like if you, if anybody has the opportunity to do it, I highly recommend it just because you can watch so much baseball and it's a much more relaxed setting. Like it's easier to, to watch what the players are doing and to talk to the players. And it's just such a fun time. So if you can go to spring training, I highly recommend it.
0: Yeah, and I'll and I'll work on the MLB diversity program to see if being English is diverse enough to uh, <laughs> get me uh, easier access into to working in the states. I yes. I, <laughs> I doubt that's the case, but
1: uh... <laughs> yeah. But if, um, if anybody listening does want more information about that, like please feel free to like find me on Twitter and and let me know as well. Because um, they are doing another round of diversity hires. So if any if that piques anybody's interest, like please let me know. I'll give you any information you want about it.
0: So yeah, I think that probably does just about wrap up our, our chat today, Sam. Um, if you want to go ahead and tell people where they can find you on Twitter to uh, see your occasional ramblings about San Jose Sharks and, <laughs> <Are there laughs> and other things, goings things on, things that baseball? are not
1: baseball. Yeah. <laughs> yes,
0: it's obviously you can't quite tweet about those.
1: <laughs> no. So yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Twitter at real Sam Schultz. Um, yeah, but please feel free to reach out if anybody has questions, comments, anything. Uh, I do tweet about baseball sometimes, but it's not as interesting as you might think.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And you can find me at our ESOM and you can find the podcast at Batflipped and it's called Nerds. So thank you very much, Sam, for your time today. Uh, We wish the best for you and the best for the Padres because always having different teams doing well in baseball, I think is great for the sport. So good luck for the rest of the year.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it.
0: No problems. Cheers.